Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Um, Hello, my name is Christian McCartney. To those of you I don't know, um, welcome to Thrive. If you're new with us, we are ending a love sermon series, so you've missed a lot, but it's all on the podcast, so don't worry. Um, And if you're here, you're probably thanking God because we're finally going to be done with this. Um, We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13 today. Um, If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Um, I love this passage of Scripture. I mean, in a freaky way, love this passage of Scripture. So if you have... um, any doubts about me being an oddball, they're going to be resolved tonight because I just, I just love this passage. Um, and it should have been done at the beginning probably as a good cohesive narrative type overview, but we didn't. We're doing it now. Um, so if you can turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read through the whole thing and then we're kind of going to explain it and a billion other things. Okay. <clears throat> if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, does not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall fully, even as I have been fully known. So faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Um, and so that chapter is consummate as far as I'm heard. A lot of you may be familiar with it at, at weddings. They'll go through the middle part and be like, oh, this patient kind, and then he doesn't boast, and people are nodding their heads, you know, real weird. Like, and you're like, oh, okay, this is like a marriage um, chapter of the Bible. Absolutely not. This is not a marriage chapter of the Bible. If you're sitting in this room and you're breathing, you know, pulse, boom, 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 right? This is for you here. Um, so I have a question. There's a Christian who, who walks around, and this, not Christian like me, Christian like another, you know, Christian, oh gosh, um, person who's not, person who follows Christ, walks around. Um, he can speak in tongues, and you've never heard someone speak in tongues before, and this dude speaks in tongues. He understands every faith-filled ministry. He's a six-point Calvinist. He can go through everything of the- theology that you never even heard of before. He understands every mystery of faith that there is biblically. He can prophesy. You thought that was an Old Testament thing? This dude's prophesying. He gave everything he had away. He was a millionaire, and he gave it all away to the poor. He lives on the, on the corner of the street just praying and fasting and giving everything to God. He had so much faith that one time he went to Mount Everest and said, move into the sea, and the Everest said, okay, and then jumped right into the ocean. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy has so much faith. He's so good. He's so biblical. And if I said to you, was this guy's life worth it? Was this guy's life meaningful? Did it have meaning? Did it have value? Did it have worth? If you guys would say yes right away and not ask a follow-up question, was he loving? 
right? Because if the answer to that question, is he loving, was he loving, did he care for other people, is no, his life is an utter, complete, and total waste. And there are so many people in this room even tonight who think to yourself, you know, I'm not a good teacher. I'm not a good public speaker. If I was put in front of this room right now, I'd probably shake in the lights and I can't see anybody and be all afraid. You know, I'm not a good teacher. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not, you know, this person is so much nicer than I am and I'm not nice. I don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality. And you could go and you could go through every spiritual gift. Funnily enough, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's actually talking about the spiritual gifts, every spiritual gift you can have. And he says, but I will show you a more excellent way. Because love levels the playing field, right? You don't have to be talented to be loving. Without love, right, our life, our life is a waste. And that's going to lead us to our first main point today, that love is all that matters. And if you were here last week, we did one that was, that was love is supreme. Um, and this here is kind of with an eschatology focus on an end times focus. Love is all that matters. When you look at heaven and when you look at what Jesus has done for you and you look at the life that we're supposed to live, love is all that matters. Um, Ephesians uh, 3.17, Paul says that we being rooted and grounded in love, okay, so like a tree, we're rooted and grounded in the soil of love, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. That passage to me was always weird. You know, if love is all that matters, right, then we should be like rooted in the soil of knowledge, you know, and then grow into love. We should be rooted and grounded in the soil of, of kindness and then grow into love. But what does Paul say? We're rooted and grounded in love. And then what happens so that we have strength to comprehend the what of Christ? The love of Christ, okay? Love doesn't grow into anything. And I actually have a next verse to uh, prove that there in Second Peter. Peter says, make every effort, right? He's going to give you the spiritual checklist, which you need to do to be a good Christian. Make every effort, Peter says, to add, to supplement to your faith with virtue. Okay, so I start being a Christian, I add virtue to that. Add virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now, did I cut out the next verse there? Nope, love's the end. The next verse, Peter says something like, if these qualities are yours and increasing, right? Because love's the end. Love doesn't grow into anything. Brotherly affection grows into love. Love doesn't grow into anything. Why? Because love is all that matters. You're like, well, I think we're supposed to do a lot of things as a Christian, not just love. Wrong, okay? All you're supposed to do as a Christian is love. Every other thing that you've heard you're supposed to do as a Christian grows out of love. It doesn't grow, love doesn't grow into anything else. Love is the the supreme attribute that we're going to read in the Bible because I'm going to prove it to you if you don't believe me. Okay, secondly, not only is love all that matters, but love is all that is, right? Just like I said, any virtue that you look at, and I'm going to, I call this, um, I wrote it somewhere else, the virtue paragon or whatever, that love is all the virtues that we see are subsumed by love. And I'm going to prove this. Um, there's not one single Christian attribute that does not have its end in love. I know people are going to be angry, so we're going to do this logical quiz. Okay, ready? We have these two statements here. I believe it's all fish are whales. Okay, that's the first statement. Okay, you probably heard this before. The second statement is all whales are fish. Okay, which one's true? Huh? No, one of them is true. <laughs> which one? Yes, the bottom. All whales are fish, okay? Now, this is, you're probably looking at this like, oh, my gosh, I just started school today. 
Funny fact, I went to bed at 7 o'clock two days ago and woke up at 7 o'clock the next morning, okay? So I understand what it's like. School takes it out of you. Okay, but we're going to get right back in there at 8 o'clock. Are all fish whales? You have a betta fish. Is that betta fish a whale? No. I have a guppy. Is that a whale? Is a shark a whale? What's a whale? A whale. Bingo. We're good. We're getting places. Okay, but are all whales fish? Yeah, okay. Because the fish category is huge, and whales subsume to that. And so when you say a logical statement like this, all fish are whales, or all whales are fish, you're saying, what is the, bitter, the bigger category into which the one subsumes? You're like, oh gosh, screw this kid. And we're going to the next one, okay? Second one, all cats, or all animals are cats. Okay, the second phrase, all cats are animals. Which one is true? The bottom one, okay? I don't know about you, but you're like, I love my cat, it's a person. No, it's not, right? It's an animal. Okay, I know people are angry at that. Just kidding, it is a person, uh huh? Okay, all animals are not cats. Why? Because of all animals were cats. The bigger category is cats, and that's not true. I can have dogs and fish, and you're like, well, there's lynxes, and there's lions, and there's feline cats, and there's pumas, and there's panthers. Sure, right? Different types of cats, different animals, but it's a grave error when you say all animals are cats, because cats, okay, the smaller thing, subsumes into the bigger thing, which are animals. Okay, this is where it gets tough. This is our practical question, okay. Third one, and this is just a virtue I pulled out. All kindness is loving, okay. All love is kind, okay. Now, which one of that is true? Okay, the bottom, I hear some people. Okay, and so you're like, well, so I can be kind and be loving. Sure you can, but it's not that you're being kind and being loving. It's that you're being loving by being kind. You're like, that doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you a story. I went into Chipotle uh, yesterday, pulled in, and I sat in my car, and I sat down into the parking space, and this lady is in this big SUV, and she looks at me like, I mean, I've never seen her in my life, looks at me with this face, and she rolls her eyes, and she ro- drives around the parking lot. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just get in a burrito, girl. Calm down. Get out of my car, okay? Get out of my car. This is a true story. Happened like yesterday. I was like, sermon illustration. (laughs) Get out of my car. I get ready to walk, and right before I cross, I see her pull back around again. Looks at me with that horrible face, rolls her eyes, and this time her car skids, and I hear, and the car, boom, right around the parking lot in a Chipotle. I'm like, oh my gosh, I must have done something wrong, or she hates me or something. And um, I go in, and who comes behind me but this lady? And she's frustrated, you know. She, and she comes up, and she's like, oh, thank you. She comes up, she's like, I hope you know what you did. Like, I'm sure you'll tell me. She's like, you parked in my spot. I said, ma'am, there were two parking spots, like two spots to the left of me. She was like, those were for the mobile order pickup. And I said, okay, now, now we're getting somewhere. I guess I could understand how you'd be so frustrated. And so I said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to park in your spot. I can see how that'd be frustrating, blah, blah, blah. And she said to me, then her tone kind of softened a little, and she's like, well, I'm glad you apologized because I was ready to come in here and start cussing at you, flipping you off and telling you what a freaking blah, blah, blah that you were, that you were going to do that to me. But now that you know what you did, I'm fine. Then she left. Okay, was she kind? Yeah, right, you're like, this didn't happen. Yes, it did. Now, from a base human level, Was she kind because she didn't flip out and, you know, cuss at me and all that crap? 
Sure, right? She was being kind. She could, I mean, she wasn't being nice. She was being kind. She, she could have come in and, you know, flipped me off and just told me how bad of a person she thought I was, but she didn't, right? She, in her mind, she was being kind. Can we agree on that? In her mind, she thought she was doing what was right. Okay, was she being loving? Is that loving to go into a Chipotle and tell somebody, you know? <laughs> that actually happened. Okay. No, right? It's not. It's not loving. Why? Because loving is a harder attribute. Kindness, it's easy to be kind. And that's why when Paul goes, and we're going to go through probably every one of these virtues as we go through, we're going to talk about how they actually work out. Um, so love is patient and kind. We're going to go through 1 Corinthians 13 in, in that second section. Love is patient and kind. Okay, if you love someone, but, you're, but a constant attitude that you have towards them is something with impatience, you don't love them, right? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says love is patient and kind. And if you are so frustrated and you're so impatient and you're unkind to somebody that you claim that you love, the Bible says that you don't love them. Oh, Christian, that's mean. I understand. Love is the thing we're shooting for here, so we need to be really strict on ourselves to make sure that we're doing what's right. Love is patient and kind. So if I'm patient with a yelling Chipotle woman, do I love her? No, right? I'm just here, like, listening as she yells to me. I'm not being loving. I'm being patient towards her. I'm not being loving. But love subsumes patience. Um, love does not envy or boast. If you love someone, but you're jealous of how they look, and you, I mean, okay, second thing I should say here. Um, out of 100 cases of love here, probably one of them is romantic love when the Bible talks about it. You guys might be sitting here like, oh, I'm thinking of my girlfriend or my boyfriend. That's like one out of a hundred, right? You should be thinking out of, of your neighbors, of your classmates, of your friends, of your school parents, of, of your school parents, of your school buddies, of your parents, of your siblings, of your people that annoy you, the people that you like. Okay, we're not talking about this romantic relationship. Oh, gosh, my boyfriend. No, don't think about that. Think about literally we're talking about here all kind of of all relationship that you're supposed to love. As a Christian, it's our responsibility. And if you envy or boast uh, to someone or about someone, and if you're, you know, gosh, they have this and this and this and this, but I love them, right? Bible says no. Love does not envy or does not boast. It's not arrogant or it's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. So let's look at this graph. I pulled this up. Can you tell I'm in a sociology class? This is called the Dunning-Kruger effect, and I just thought this was really funny, actually. Have you ever heard, raise your hand if you've heard this, 80% um, of people think they're the 20% smartest in the room. Raise your hand if you've heard that. Okay, it's three, okay, that's fine. Okay, this here is like what proves that, and I don't know if I'm gonna get up there or not. I won't, okay. The left part that's low, the red, show, okay, I am gonna get up here. This is what shows how smart somebody is. This is how smart they think they are, okay? That's the difference. What happens as people are actually smarter on an IQ test? What happens? It gets less. They think less of themselves. So what does that mean? It means that the people who are talking probably don't know what they're talking about. And the people who are talking, or the people who aren't talking, probably do know what they're talking about, right? And you have a fine line probably in the middle there where people talk just the amount of the time that they do. And so what does that mean? Um, Everybody, you know, people are stupid, right, okay? But hey, you're probably one of the stupid ones, and so am I, right? And what does that mean? When love doesn't insist on its own way, we always think of ourselves, wow, I just wish this person wouldn't insist on their own way, honestly. If they read the Bible, they would love me enough to, oh gosh, that's dangerous. Love does not insist on its own way. 
And what does that mean? It means that if you're one of those people think if they would just listen to what I have to say, statistically, they probably shouldn't. And if you're one of those people who are like, well, I don't like to talk, and I don't want somebody to know, and I'm just embarrassed, and I'm just shy, and I just don't want to do that, right? And your way is to be quiet. Your way isn't to speak up. Your way is just to be quiet. Love doesn't insist on its own way. Sometimes you're going to have to have those awkward conversations and say those things that you know need to be said. Because why? Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Paul in Colossians 3.14 says, Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I don't know if I have that there or not. If we were all Lego pieces, right? If I step on a Lego piece, what is your first reaction? Oh, great, right? Ow, that sucks. And if I have a building of Lego pieces, which the Church of Christ, if you're a Christian here, we are supposed to be um, a building built in together into a holy temple for the Lord, right? We're supposed to be together, right? But what is the glue that binds us together? Is it the fact we're just such good Lego pieces and we just all click, click, click together? You're like, oh, I love him and him and him. And you're like, Oprah, how many people you love in this room? No, right? What binds us together as Christians? No. Close, close. It is God's love, okay? Love binds all things together in perfect harmony, right? The love that you have for somebody sees over their differences, sees over the things that you don't like about them. There's some verse that talks about um, love overlooks a multitude of sin, which means something, somebody does you wrong, you know, shoot. Love overlooks that because, because you love them enough. Love carries your heavy burden with you and never asks how much further. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It never fails. Um, if you tell to love, you know, tonight was the last time, I'll never do that again. Love never looks at you and says, you know, I don't believe you. No, you told me that last night. I don't believe you. Love believes you. Love believes all things. It endures all things. When you beat love to a pulp, and when you look at the Christian idea of love and the Christian idea that God sent his son because he loved you so much, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. God does that, you know? And you're just beating up on the idea of love. Love endures all things because that's what we all do to love in the person of Jesus Christ every minute of every day. Love never fails. And this is the ultimate Christian virtue because this is what is the fundamental nature of God's character. Why? Because it says in 1 John, anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love, okay? That's God's fundamental character. I remember I texted Mike Duma when I was in Argentina, or funnily enough, and I said, uh, hey, if God is love, see, it was all about logic. If God is love and love is kind, does that mean God is kind? You know, if love is patient and God, does that, and he said, yeah, that's what that means. Because why? Love is the fundamental attribute of God's character. And if you have any questions about that, come up to me because I know some people may have issues with that. Okay, third point, love is all that is, right? And so in the future, Love is all that will be. Love is all that is in our world that we have. You might not be the best teacher in the world. It doesn't matter if you can be loving. You might not be the best student in the world. It doesn't matter if you're loving. Um, love is the easiest and the hardest virtue in the whole thing that we do as Christians, and it's the only thing that God asks of us. Um, okay, so we're going to read it verses 8 through 13 again in 1 Corinthians 13 because this is so good. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. What's Paul saying? In heaven, you're not going to need to prophesy. God's right there. You're not going to need to speak in a tongue. You know, we're going to all be together. You're not, the knowledge one we're going to get to in a second. For we know in part, right? Paul says our knowledge is incomplete. We prophesy in part. We prophesy about what you don't know. But when the perfect comes, which is heaven, the partial will pass away. How, what is his description? What is his analogy? When I was a child, 
I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so what's Paul's analogy? The way that we interact now compared to the way that we're going to interact in heaven is the way, is a good comparison to the way you interacted as a child to the way you interacted now. That's all the hint I'm going to give. Starbucks, two days ago, came out with their pumpkin cream line. Thank God. Um, I won't say there have been every day since that's happened, but somebody has. I have three $15 Starbucks gift cards, and I need three volunteers to sit up here. That's all. Okay, Emily? Yep, yep, okay, you three come up here. <clears throat> and if you just sit in those chairs, thank you so much. Yes, please. Okay, okay, perfect. Uh, sorry. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Okay, so these are $350 Starbucks gift cards. I have something in my bag here that I'm going to give to you people. And all you have to do is take a little bite out of it. And if you do, you're good to go. You get this. Okay. Does anybody know where this is going? Okay, good. I like it like that. It's like the barbecue sauce. Okay, there's the third one. It can be the smallest spoonful in the world, okay? Close your eyes. Put your hand in this bag. Okay, you the same. Yeah, keep them close. Sorry, Adam, you're getting the short end of the stick. Okay, open your eyes. This is baby food. Fresh, fresh baby food off the counter of wherever I bought it, I forget. This is yours. $15, just a little spoonful, I, I swear. I actually want to know how it tastes. I want you guys to say. I don't want to hear that. Okay, I think this is going to work. Thank God for you. Okay, here we go. Okay, you first now. Yep. Okay, that's way too much. I don't want to see that you eat that. Did you get the trash can? <laughs> I don't know. Tastes like applesauce. Tastes like applesauce. Would you buy that normally? Probably would just get applesauce. Okay, probably just get applesauce. Okay, there's this. Hands, hand of applause for Naylor, what other people call that. Good for you, thank you. I will take that, Sinanti, or you can just take it. I don't want to look at that. <laughs> okay, Emily, what flavor do you have, by the way? Carrot. Carrot. Yum. Okay, after you. That's full, yeah. Can you get up a second? And? This is great. <laughs> Are you, do you actually mean think it's great? Okay. <laughs> Round of applause. The real suffers. I think actually Adam has the worst flavor. I don't know what it's called. Sweet potato. It's called, what is it? Oh. Sweet potato, banana, orange. I like all of these things. Okay. Sweet potato, banana, orange. Okay. I'm pretty convinced I'm going to like this. Okay, I'm just going to do this. That's not bad at all. Okay. <laughs> Would you pick that off the shelf when you're going to uh, the grocery store or wherever with What's-Her-Face? Probably not. Okay, probably not. I know What's-Her-Face, Morgan. <laughs> I am not going to hear the end of that. Yes, round of applause for Adam, although he liked it. Please don't keep it with you on the seat. I'll throw up. 
What is my point there, okay? We don't go into Giant Eagle anymore and buy baby food, right? That's baby food. That's a dollar. What a steal. Go into the, you know, the Giant Eagle, swipe out a card, baby food, it's a dollar. How many of you after that are like, oh yeah, Giant Eagle, next stop, right? Why? Because you've matured. You've grown up. There's filet mignon out there. Why am I going to eat pureed carrot, right? I like filet mignon. I like steak. I like all these things. Why? Because I've matured. And the way that I look at Adam still eating that baby food (laughs) is the way that we're going to look at ourselves in the past having lived a life that's not loving. Now, we all could drive to the store and do that things, but we don't. As a kid, you could. You do eat it. As an adult, you don't. Okay, this is a quote from Benjamin Disraeli, who was a prime minister of Britain, and I just think it's great. We'll end up, we'll end here. He said, uh, we are all born for love. It is the principle of existence and its only end. We are all born for love. It is the principle of existence and its only end. The only reason we're here is love, okay? You doubt me on that? There's a billion Bible verses we can talk about. Paul says that... uh, Love is the fulfilling of the law, right? Jesus says, another one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love is the nature, is the fundamental essence of what makes us a Christian. It's the principle of our existence, and it's its only end because who are we going to see in heaven? Whom are we going to see in heaven? Because he says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. The person who fully knows us is Jesus, The person who fully knows us is God the Father who cared about you and loved you so much he sent his son to die for you. And he's going to take us to this world wherein all we have this for each other is this pure, righteous, undivided love for him and for each other, right? Satan can't defeat love, right? Love is, God is love, right? Satan can't defeat love, but he can defeat you. And so how does he do that? Well, he convinces you not to believe in love. He convinces you that it's, not, that it's not real, that it's just a Disney movie thing, that it's not powerful, blah, 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 right? He convinces you to believe what the culture is pushing as love is to us. Love is romantic. Love is relational. Love is a movie thing. Love is princess diaries. Love is my puppy. Love is whatever else, right? And when we read this, this First Corinthians 13, where it gives us a perfect description of what love is, that's the thing that Satan can't defeat. That is the love is that we will get to experience finally undivided in heaven. And it's completely different than what the world says. Um, everybody is worth the risk. Everybody is worth the love that you give to them, right? I mean, when you start to date someone, you don't look at them and you're like, yeah, that person is ugly, but I'm just going to try it. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to, you know, no, right? When you pick somebody to, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend, you don't really force yourself. It's something where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I love this person, whatever. But when you're Christian love, it's not like that. Everybody is worth it. Everybody's worth the risk. You don't look at anybody and just shudder, right? You look at them and you're like, every single person in our world is worth the risk for love. And they're worth it and they're worth the effort because of all these things that God has done for us. Um, the, the world says love is temporal. The Bible says love is eternal. The world says some people aren't worth the risk. The Bible says everyone's worth the risk. The world says love is a changing feeling, and the Bible says love is fixed. So that's the end of our love series. If you have any questions about that, when the manifold things that I talked about, let me know. Um, We're going to pray, and then Ethan is going to lead us again in another song. Uh, Dear God, we're so thankful, I mean so thankful for the opportunity that you've given us, that we are just 
as John says, children of God, and so we are, Father, that you loved us enough to send your son to die on the cross, God, and we, we don't deserve it. We don't understand and yet you love us enough to do, those, to do that for us, and you still love us, God, even when we mess it up and abuse you and abuse your son and abuse love. And, um, but love endures all things, God. And we're so thankful for the fact that in heaven you will look at us and you'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and we will rise and uh, we will have this relationship with you that transcends understanding. Um, we love you so much, God. You'd pr we pray you'd bless the rest of our night. In your son's name, amen.